purchased with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. What was that price that was paid for you? He purchased us with his own blood. That means that God loved you enough to pay a price for you. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. I'm so glad you've joined us here today. Over the last few weeks, we've learned just what it means to be a kingdom citizen. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter that those of us who belong to the church are together called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Today, Pastor Trent will continue in the series, Kingdom Citizen, with a fourth identifier of a believer. We'll hear what it means to be a purchased people and learn what God wants his purchased people to do. Here's Pastor Trent. Get your Bibles open to two different places. Find Psalm 24, put a bookmark there, and then turn toward the back of your Bible and find 1 Peter chapter. Two, we are kingdom citizens and we're going to be reminded of that. But more than that, I want to talk about our king tonight. And uh, we're living in dark days. And this series is to remind us that as Christians, we have a dual citizenship. This world is not exclusively our home. But as American citizens, we're grieved as we watch the unraveling of the morality of our nation. We're living in a rapidly changing culture that is moving away from the Christian principles upon which this nation was founded. And you know, this is not the first time the days have been dark. This is not the first time that we have wondered, is our nation even going to survive? How many of you know who this guy is? Know that guy? Yeah. And uh, Abraham Lincoln in 1862 made this statement. He says, the ways of God are mysterious and profound beyond comprehension. Who by searching can find him out? God only knows the issue of this business. Talking about what's going on in the nation. Now he was being trying to be the president, holding a nation together it was as it was unraveling around the issues of the Civil War. And he understood the sovereignty of God and even made this statement. He, God, has destroyed nations from the map of history for their sins. Um, any president that understands that will be a better president. That God is in the business of raising up and tearing down nations because of their sin. He's done it in the past. He can do it again. But he went on to say this. Nevertheless, my hopes prevail generally above my fears for our republic. The times are dark. The spirits of ruin are abroad in all their power. And the mercy of God alone can save us. That's a president that knew what was going on in heaven was more important than what was going on on earth. Now, not only is America becoming increasingly secular and godless, it's becoming hostile toward the citizens of heaven. Kingdom citizens find themselves as objects of scorn in this nation. Our culture views us, kingdom citizens, as either 
irrelevant, just completely out of touch with anything that belongs to reality, or extreme, actually dangerous to the culture at large. I've been reading a book this week. It's a new book called Good Faith by David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons. And they've done a lot of research with the Barnett organization, and this is some of what they've discovered. Two out of every five adults in America believe it is extremist to try to convert others to their faith. 60% of all adults in America and 83% of atheists and agnostics believe that evangelism, our fourth pillar, is extremist. In other words, they would put us in the same category as Islamic terrorists. That's the culture we're living in. They go on to report a slim majority says that holding the belief that same-sex relationships are morally wrong is extremist. Two out of five adults believe it's extremist to quit a good-paying job to pursue mission work in another country. They go on to say, what concerns people about extremism is the public expression of religion when beliefs and practices enter the public square. For the most part, people think you can do whatever you want on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights in your churches just so long as it doesn't spill out into society. And so this scorn is causing many of us as kingdom citizens to be silent or to fear expressing who we really are as citizens of heaven for fear of the reaction that we're going to get. It's like we've got this growing inferiority complex. It's like the kid at school that's always bullied and somebody takes his lunch money and so he kind of hides in the corners of the junior high or the girl who doesn't get a date to the prom and she begins to question whether or not she's worth anything or if she has any value or purpose or significance. That's, that's who we're becoming as the church. Maybe we think we should just kind of lay low and keep our head down and stay out of trouble, don't rock the boat, and we can just endure this life on earth is kind of a necessary evil, and then one day we'll get to heaven and we'll be celebrated like the heroes of the faith because we endured all this mess down here. Well, is that the way that God wants kingdom citizens to operate? No. The purpose of this series, the purpose of this church is to remind kingdom citizens who they are. It doesn't matter what the culture says we are. It only matters what the king says we are. You know what the king has said about you? Let me read it for you in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Get your eyes on the page. It says, but you, kingdom citizens, are a chosen race. You, kingdom citizens, are a royal priesthood. You, kingdom citizens, are a holy nation. And that's what we've looked at the past three weeks in this series, and we've unpacked those. So here's the fourth identifier of a kingdom citizen. You are a people for his own possession. Do you know what that means? We are a purchased people. And what is our purpose? Why has he left us down here? He tells us that you may proclaim the 
excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. So we're going to look at what it means to be a purchased people. Basically, we're going to answer two questions. First of all, who are these purchased people? And then we are going to look at the question, who is this king who purchased them? Okay? So let's look at this first of all, and we're just kind of stay here in 1 Peter chapter 2 for a few minutes. And first of all, we're going to discover these purchased people. If you are one of these purchased people, then this is what is true of you. And here's the declaration that we made. In spite of what people say about us, we can believe this. I am valued beyond my worth. Do you understand that principle in Scripture? That you in and of yourself as a creature made in the image of God. There is some dignity and worth that you have in the image of God, but basically that residual image has been marred and scarred and stained by the sin that you've committed and the motives of your heart. But God has valued you in spite of the fact that you have declared war on him as king. And he has opened the doors of the kingdom and at great cost to himself has bought you and purchased you and welcomed you in to his kingdom. Do you know what that means? That if you ever feel belittled or forgotten, if you ever feel like you are not pretty enough, raise your hand if you are not pretty enough, okay? If the person didn't raise their hand next to you, just go ahead and say, um, Well, we won't go there, but uh, uh, none of us really are pretty enough, and none of us really are smart enough. How many of you ever felt like I'm not smart enough? How many of you feel like I I, I do not have the athleticism? No, I didn't get that one. How many of you um, not not incredibly impressive in any way that you can think of? Yeah. Well, you probably have been accused of some of that, and when you are accused of some of that, you can just simply nod your head, yes, that is true, but here is also what is true. In spite of that, I am valued beyond my worth. That's what it means to be a kingdom, of, kingdom citizen, because you were purchased with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, write it down, it says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. What was that price that was paid for you? What was the price tag on you if God wanted to possess you? Acts 20 verse 28 tells us he purchased us with his own blood. That was the price. That's what, it would, that's what it took to buy you back from the slave market of sin. I am a purchased person. I am valued beyond my worth. That means that God loved you enough to pay a price for you. Not only does God love you, this assures me He actually likes me. I mean, when I'm at Best Buy, I see a lot of stuff I like, and I do not have the financial resources to purchase all of it. 
God looked upon this earth and saw some people that he liked. He wanted to possess them. He wanted to take them out of where they were and bring them into his kingdom. And he put his affection on you. He loved you. He liked you. And now he is securing you, not because you are in any way impressive, but simply because he put value on you and purchased you at great cost to himself. Do you know what that means? That means I belong to God. He owns me. I am not my own. I do not own myself. So what do I have? I don't have ownership over my body, over my time. I don't have ownership over my brain. I don't even have ownership over my hands and feet. Those belong to God. What I have is a stewardship to use my body, use my hand, use my mind, use my time for that which God wants. I don't buy stuff I don't use. So I am owned by God, but God also has a purpose in mind. He wants to put me into use. He wants to get some work done in me so that he can get some work done through me. I belong to God. You know what that means? Anytime I'm tempted to use my mind, to use my eyes, to use my body, to use my time, to use my money for sinful purposes, I need to remind myself, I am a kingdom citizen. I am a purchased person. I do not belong to myself. I belong to God. I should get up every morning and ask God, God, what do you want from me today? It's all yours. It all belongs to you. I am purchased. I am your possession. Put me to work. That's the attitude of a kingdom citizen. And it means that I have God's protection. You know, that which God owns, he protects. That means that I am secure. I don't have to fear what's happening around me. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to defend myself against accusation. I belong to God. Do you believe that? Belong to God. It also means this. I am called out of darkness. We saw it here in verse 9. It says, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It is no secret that our culture is growing darker as it continues to extinguish the light coming from God in his word. They're not interested in things that give light. Our culture is increasingly a culture that values darkness. Somehow we think that God can't see in the dark. And so we do things in the dark because we think that they're covered or hidden from God. Well, God shines his light. All of those things done in darkness are fueled by the prince of darkness, Satan himself, who does not love the light. How many of you remember the presidency of Ronald Reagan? We're the old people. Yeah, they're there. So, so like me, I mean, those were the good old days, right, for us, right? I mean, Reagan presidency and, you know, um, the 80s. And I, there was an election campaign that Ronald Reagan did for his second term in office. In 1984, he ran these ads 
and it was called Morning in America. Remember these? It's morning in America. And it showed that all these wonderful pictures of flowers blooming and children playing on the playground and all these things. Now, four years earlier, he was showing, you know, like nuclear bombs going off and stuff because that was what was going to happen if you didn't elect him, apparently. And so here we are now, four years later, and all is right with the world and, and everything's been restored. It's morning and, and, and that's kind of the picture. The sun's rising and light has appeared. That, and that, that he won 49 states in that election. And uh, he, he won because people want to know that there's light coming. No matter how dark it's been, that the sunrise is coming. Well, that's the hope that kingdom citizens live with. But can I just tell you, it is not 1984. It's midnight in America. And it could be darker than it has ever been. And yet, for a kingdom citizen, we know what it is like to have radiant light shine into our darkness. A couple of weeks ago, I loaned my car to my daughter, and and she was going to Chicago for the weekend, which means I had to drive her car. And so I was driving her car around, and I noticed it it was late at night one night. I was driving home, and I couldn't see anything. And I'm like, how has my daughter been driving this car? And she's been at risk because she's driving in darkness. I got home and sure enough, she had a headlight out. So I made sure to replace the headlight. I I made sure that I was not sending her into the darkness that is Chicago um, with a headlight out. And so if you are a person that knows what it's like to live in darkness, what does that mean? Two two different things here. Darkness simply means that you're uninformed. It, it means that there's a, there's a lack of knowledge, right, about something. And, and what that means is you kind of bump into things when you don't have light. You, you run it into a ditch. How many of you have run it into the ditch sometime when you were living in darkness, right? And you've got stains and, and scars from, from, from a lifetime of choices living in darkness, right? Well, it also means to live in spiritual darkness or moral darkness. It means that you can't see God. You're blind to the reality of God. It means that you're blind to spiritual truth. And it just, it's like maybe there was a season in your life or maybe you're there right now and it's just like as God's word is being preached and Red, and it's just like you just kind of scratch their head, and it's like, I just don't get it. Well, it could be that there is a spiritual blindness, and you have not yet had the light of God appear. Can I tell you, if that's you tonight, God wants to make you a kingdom citizen, He wants to make you a purchased person, He is calling you right now out of your darkness. And he wants to bring you into, what does it say? Marvelous light. Notice it doesn't say marvelous darkness, right? Marvelous light. We marvel at how God could put his affection on us, pay a price for us, and put us in a better place. Kingdom citizens have received the light of Jesus. It's like a beacon that's illuminated our dark lives. He's opened our eyes to spiritual truth, and now we see the glorious nature of our King. The light of God has shined, and we see the glory in the face of Jesus. That's what makes us kingdom citizens. And that means that as a kingdom citizen, if I am called out of darkness, listen, 
I've got no business going into dark places. In my mind, in my behavior, I've got no business entertaining myself with dark realities of spiritual... God has called you out of that. Get out of that and live in the light. Now, God can use you now as light to shine light into dark places because we read this. The light, Jesus said in John chapter 3, the light has come into the world. Who was the light? Ultimately, who was the light? Jesus. Jesus was the light. He came into a very dark place, the world. Are you grateful that Jesus came into the darkness? Yeah. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness. Why do people live in darkness? Because we love darkness. It's not an external problem. It is a root issue in my heart. I don't just live in darkness because I make a mistake. I live in darkness because my heart is drawn to darkness. That's how dark the reality is in my heart. The people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true does what? Comes to the light. Come on. Come to the light. That's what we do every time we wake up in the morning. We open our Bibles. We get before God in prayer. We're coming to the light because... We live in such a dark place. But then the flip side of that coin is this. Jesus said, not only is he light, but who else is light? You, kingdom citizen, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to you because you're such an awesome person. Is that what it says? Don't let me get away with stuff like that, okay? <laughs> they may see your good works and give glory to who? To your Father who is in heaven. I'm just a kingdom citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven, but he's actually in heaven. And the only way he shines light now is through you, kingdom citizen. And so I'm to share the light that I've received with others. And one of the reasons is because I have been made an object of God's mercy. Do you see it there in verse 10? Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word means to have compassion, not on an undeserving person, but to have compassion on an ill-deserving person. Do you know the difference? You're not just undeserving of mercy. You're ill-deserving of mercy. And so mercy is the result of a king going outside the gates of his kingdom and putting his affection and compassion upon people living in a dark kingdom who've actually declared war on the king. And as an act of mercy, he's drawn us to himself. He's opened our eyes. And so we open our eyes 
so that we can show compassion and mercy on others. It's what we were talking about earlier when we talked about the opportunity to get involved in something like safe families. We've got wonderful ministries of mercy and compassion here at Harvest. The reason that we're opening up this opportunity for safe families is because as a kingdom citizen, we've mentioned this before, but you're an ambassador of king. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a legal representative of a king who is not present. The scripture calls us ambassadors. And do you know where the ambassador lives? Who knows? Who knows where the ambassador lives when he's in a foreign country? In the embassy. Do you know what your home is? Your home is an embassy of heaven. You live in a foreign land. You live in a hostile territory. But God has sent you as an ambassador to live in an embassy to shine the light of mercy on the people around you. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was in Liberia where we've got seven, we've got eight churches now, and uh, we care for those churches as Harvest Granger. And I was, it's, it's just, it's, it's very dirty, it's very impoverished, a lot of corruption in the government, it doesn't feel very safe, and it's not very clean. And in the midst of that, we've got some vertical, spirit-filled, life-giving churches there that are shining the light in that country. And so I had the opportunity to visit the American embassy in Liberia. Honestly, I was not expecting much. I mean, the country doesn't even necessarily have electricity. I'm like, what's the American embassy going to be like in Liberia? Well, we pulled up there. We were met by some wonderful Marines, and they ushered us through the gate and as soon as I stepped through the gate, it was as if I was back in America. I mean, the lights were bright, and there was American music playing. They ushered us through the, the quarters of these men that served over there. They had flat-screen TVs, and they were watching ESPN, and uh, they, they had refrigerators, and they were eating TV dinners, and, and it was just like, man, we're back in America. That's what an embassy is, is the language that's spoken in your home reflective of the language of heaven? Are the attitudes on display in your home reflective of the attitudes that are right now in heaven? Is the music in your home reflective of the music that's going on right now in heaven? You're an embassy of heaven, placed in a hostile territory, and that's one of the reasons that we've invited you. What, would you like to open your doors to some of the, the natives down here and give them a taste of what it's like in heaven? That's what it means to be a kingdom citizen. That's what it means to make your home an embassy of heaven. have been called as believers out of darkness and into his marvelous light, purchased by Christ's blood to be his ambassadors. Today, Pastor Trent Griffith has challenged us to make our homes like an embassy of heaven, which to an unbelieving world around us can be a powerful display of the hope of God's eternal kingdom. 
Well, thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll return next week as Pastor Trent continues in this message and teaches us what it means to proclaim the excellencies of the one who has called us out of darkness and into his light. We'd also like to invite you to join us at one of our weekend worship services at either our Granger, Indiana campus or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. For service times and campus locations, visit us online at harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.